0: You're listening to Sports Tech Feed, the global sports technology podcast. Hello and welcome to Sports Tech Feed. I'm your host, Thomas Looms. Great to have you joining us again today. And we are coming to you live from Melbourne, Australia, my hometown, back down under. So really excited to be here and really excited to be speaking with Libby Owen, CEO of Champion Data, uh, the biggest company in Australian sports tech, I'd say, and one of the global players that you might never have heard of. And welcome to the show, Libby.
1: Thanks, Thomas. And as I said before, welcome home. It's good to have you back.
0: Yep, it's, it's good to be here. And a uh, uh, little thing called COVID got in the way of, of getting back here for a little bit, but good to be back uh, in Melbourne. And as I said, Champion Data for some of our interne- international listeners might not be aware of it. Can you just outline what Champion da- Data does, some of your key clients and, and, and the work that you do?
1: I can, I can. I'm always happy to talk about Champion Data, as uh, you know. So, what people probably don't know about Champion Data is we've actually been around for 25 years. So, we, um, we are well and truly entrenched, certainly in the Australian market, in the sports tech space. And we're a company that likes to play at that intersection of data. So, official data, data integration, technology. We build our own tech. We architect um, for a lot of clients. And I'll, I'll talk a little bit about our clients. And we're also on the media and broadcast side. So, we're a broadcast company as well in that we are taking data, we're capturing it right from the start and then we are pushing it all the way through to platforms, multi-platforms, digital, uh, broadcast, OTT, you name it, we're putting data-led content out there. So from our perspective, we like to partner with sports because we um, understand the complexity and the challenge in managing sport data. And finding insights from data, which is, of course, incredibly important because you can have all the data in the world, but unless you're actually getting some insights from it and creating some value from it, then sort of what's the point? Um, So we, we, we partner because the initiatives that sports and their partners are undertaking are never simple. They often require quite a bit of work to determine ultimately what's the end game what are you trying to achieve here whether it's fan engagement whether it's increasing value for your partners broadcast partners sponsors whoever it might be Um, whether you're just trying to innovate as custodians of the game sports often have a role to play in genuinely looking after their data Um, and and I should for listeners I suppose we should probably just narrow down this scope a little bit because when you talk about data or data depending on where you are in the world a lot of people might say well what are we talking about are we talking about ticketing are we talking about membership yes that's all official data but from a champion data perspective we're very much in the event space so we're talking about in-game statistics we're talking about the data that records events that occur on the field of play or on the course or the pitch or the track whatever it might be um, so it's everything from XY data, positional data, where is an athlete at any given time. Uh, we can venture into discussions around biometrics and, and that sort of space, which is, which is really, really interesting and evolving. Um, but if, essentially that's champion. We are looking to work with those who have data, are looking to protect and centralise that data, to generate compelling content and insights from it and that's essentially where we are.
0: And we're titling this discussion why sports need to own value and invest in their official data. So let's step through that um, in each part. So starting with ownership, what does that look like for sports to own their data?
1: Yeah, you've gone to one of the uh, one of the more interesting parts of it and I, I, I sort of didn't get to the part about who we work with and I will and I'll, I'll sort of use it in terms of the illustration of, of why it's important to own your data. And from our perspective, we want to empower the industry. We want to empower whether it's a sport, whether it's a club, a league, an athlete, or their partners, a media partner a sponsor. So when we talk about ownership, we're talking about having control. We're talking about being able to put integrity around the data and ensure that, you know, I spoke about the custodial piece and the importance of making sure that data actually tells a story a compelling um, kind of piece for fans or whoever it might be. But everyone has a role in ensuring that the data is protected uh, and that's really important in terms of ownership. So it needs to be secured, it needs to be managed. So you've got to put good tech around it to make sure that that actually happens. Um, And then from our perspective, it's also about creating efficiencies across a sport or a league. Um, everyone uses some version of the same data there are many sources of data so if you centralize it if you manage it if you distribute it through good tech and in good ways then it creates efficiencies across the whole industry so, so the ownership piece is really important but but we also talk about why sports should be investing in their data ownership is, is sort of one function of that but you know, there's a strategic reason to do it. You're in a competitive environment. Sports are competing for eyeballs, they're competing for athletes, they're competing for participants at the grassroots level. And data is just one asset that is a means by which you can place yourself in a position to be able to compete for all of those parts of of what being in the sport industry is about. Um, so it's just, it's such an important asset and, and I think sports are really starting to understand that.
0: And it is one of those things, I mean, the way that I look at about it is you can, there's a million and one different analogies for data. I mean, oils data is, is one that's got a lot of popularity in <laughs> it. The new oil. The new oil and that is that's, that's uh, that is a kind of um, phrase or hackneyed phrase, whichever way you look at it, it's been around for probably as long as champion data has, you know, 25 years or however long it is, um, which by the way is is incredibly long time longevity in this space so that is impressive in and of itself Uh, but this this information is being generated and it's out there Um, it's just about I guess capturing it. it is kind of the way that I view it is that there is so much information that is happening on the field of play from athletes from that it is it's a resource that's there. It mm. just needs to be tapped into. So I guess to, to use the, the oil analogy, it's sitting under the ground. It just needs to be kind of sucked out. And then to your point around the efficiencies of putting it all into one place, that no matter what the the uh, use of it is, it's accessible. It's it's quickly accessible. It's secure. It's all that kind of stuff. So there's a lot of different uses. Um can you maybe talk to each of those uses in more detail? You mentioned broadcast fan engagement. Um, I think um, sports betting would be remiss if we didn't talk about um, how how that, how that um, plays into it. Um, And, and then obviously the performance side as well. So around all that, where does, where are some actual specific use cases you can talk to and maybe um, mentioning specific clients as well?
1: Yeah. Well, I think, it's a good question because if you look at who Champion Data's clients are, we are working obviously with sports, and we're active in sports like lacrosse, thoroughbred racing, uh, golf, netball, Aussie rules. I mean, the the list goes on.
0: Can you say Can you say some of the leagues or properties?
1: Yeah, yeah, sure. So we're working with the Victorian Thoroughbred Racing Body, Racing.com. We're working with or have worked with the XFL, who I mentioned based in the States, which was a um, startup um, American football league. Uh, we work very closely with Aussie Rules, as I mentioned, Netball Australia, Netball New Zealand. Um, we are working with Live Golf in the States. Um, so the list goes on and on. But, th- but their sport – and, of course, we work with clubs and teams who are part of those sports. Um, but that's just one part of it because we've also got partners across both the terrestrial and digital – media landscape in australia um, and we're building out those relationships offshore as well so in australia we partner with channel 7 we partner with telstra largest communi- telecommunications company here in australia we partner with the fox sports network um, and you mentioned wagering yes we're working with most if not all certainly in this market wagering service providers so what are the use cases they're similar but they're also different there's high performance use cases. So we always talk about, you've got to get the data and then you've got to make the data useful for those who are looking to use it. In the high performance space, you wanna do things like look for a correlation with winning because ultimately that's their end game, right? They are there to win a contest. So how do you use data to help them work out how they're gonna win that contest?
0: I love that. That's so deceptively simple. You know what is <laughs> actually winning? No, is a good. no, but that's it. Because there there is a million and different one um, uh, statistics that you could pull from that, yep. um, but a lot of those might have uh, minimal impact on the actual result on winning. That's it.
1: Well, data. The the thing with data is you can talk about data and and um, generate lots of it in the same way that you can with oil, but oil has to be refined. It has to be created into something that then drives an engine or drives a machine the same concept is with data you can collect it all and we do we have armies of people out there in the world who are coding sporting events we're also looking at how we can use technology to do that so through automation computer vision these sorts of things um, that's fine then what do you do with it where do you put it we build sports data platforms and that the demand for sport data platforms is exponentially increasing because there is so much data and people are starting to realise how valuable it is and if you manage it appropriately, if you find the insights in it, then you've got something that's really compelling. So, your analytics and your data-led content generation hangs off that platform which is where you're storing and refining and looking after it. Um, we've done some really interesting. Just just to try to get to some use cases that that um, illustrate what you can do with data. We've been able to, and I'm not sure that there's anyone in the world who's done it. We have synchronized athlete tracking data, so that's athletes running around a field with a device on the on their backs.
0: So uh, GPS or LPS. GPS
1: yep. LPS. Yep, is um is the sort of standard at the moment. So athletes uh collecting that data and that's where all the xy and whatever else comes from although we can derive it elsewhere but but um let's just say for the the sake of of this illustration or this use case athlete tracking data and event data so if we talk about something like netball it might be a pass or a contact we have been able to merge those data sets to synchronize them so they are time synced into a single data stream and again i'm the tech team will be rolling their eyes. I mean, I'm wildly oversimplifying this. This is really hard, complex stuff. But again, make it simple because no one really cares <laughs> how hard it is to do it. They just want something compelling at the end of the day. So we've been able to time sync these data sets. And then we are pushing them through um, live in, in real time to digital platforms, in venue, and into broadcast to create really compelling stuff like, hey, have a look, that athlete is running faster than anyone else at the moment. That athlete has acceleration like we have never seen. It establishes benchmarks. It tells stories we always talk about. We just want to tell stories that that's what's important. Um, So they're they're the sorts of things that you're able to do. And we're not even sort of touching on things like um, virtual reality augmented reality, mixed reality, mm. because all of those technologies are entirely data-driven.
0: Yeah, Being able to put an overlay of, say, um, I, I think it's... You see it in video gaming, it's been around a long time, like the basically the ghost, in the sense, say, a racing game, you have the augmented reality, um, but really it's just a, where is that car in position to where you are, and say a lap. Yeah. Imagine you can do that with an athlete of two athletes running side-by-side, side. Mm. One's, one's a... a Generate computer-generated vision of that, but you're using the data, so you, you can kind of compare like with like, and it, it it gives a, as you said, it tells a story of well, I can say this person's running twenty miles an hour. What on earth does that mean? Like, I yeah. know I go that you fast got, you in got my to car. Contextualize you you it. contextualize it. You you make it engaging. You make it um, understandable. I guess
1: that's right. And I always talk about um, there's a whole generation of data natives that that are um, starting to consume sport or who will consume sport in new and interesting ways if they're not already doing it they certainly will in the near future and you've only got to look at technologies like web3 it's just it's entirely data driven and so sports are sports and their partners because i talk a lot about sport but the sport ecosystem is, is very much that. You, you can't exist without your wagering service providers. You can't exist without your broadcast partners or your digital partners. So everyone is sort of the same, is of the same ecosystem that relies on assets like official data to hold eyeballs to the screens or to the actual game in, in the stadium. I mean, the in stadium experience these days is ridiculously good. Um, you need data for that you, you need data on on uh, big screens you need data around the the LED perimeter signage all of those sorts of things are use cases that um, you know people are sort of demanding these days so if, if you don't if, if you aren't collecting your data managing it storing it protecting it ensuring its integrity And doing it yourself rather than always outsourcing it to third parties, what we're seeing is a real shift towards sports, leagues, clubs, building their own capability and bringing a degree of it in-house. They still need to partner. They need to partner with technology companies like us. Um, But they're not necessarily saying, here you go, rights holder. You've written us a big check. You can now have all the data and you worry about it. Then that's sort of the old world. They're now saying, no, 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 we're the custodians of our game. We know how valuable it is. We're actually going to own it, control it, look after it, but hey, we'll let you use it for a particular purpose.
0: So I guess that comes back to the the, the second and third part of it of valuing and in investing is that is, – is part of it taking it in-house? So I guess the example yeah. of um, broadcast, for instance, would be a league or – I mean, to a lower level teams in, in terms of where they work with digi- digital, but setting things up ready to go and then pushing that out to a broadcaster rather than saying, hey, the broadcaster needs to one, spend money on the rights to broadcast the content and then two, spend money on turning that into, you know, something that's actually going to really engage fans.
1: What Champion Data does is we, we sit, we can sit anywhere on the value chain. We're happy to do it end-to-end. We're happy to do collection, storage, analytics, ideation, all the way through to presentation on screen. We can. We're also happy to do any part of that. We're entirely flexible. But one of the, one of the things that we found is that broadcasters in particular and digital partners value the, the knowledge that we bring because we're sort of on the collection and high-performance side as well. So we have models where we're not doing the data collection and we're okay with that, but we are doing some degree of analytics. We're certainly integrating data into product offerings. We might partner with the media provider to provide real-time analytics so that they understand what might be happening in a particular game or off a particular shot. Um, So it's really important to have people who are passionate about how data can be used to tell stories and provide insights at every point not just in the high performance space that is a highly complex highly specialized area um and that's not to say that broadcast digital wagering isn't um but yes you you insert companies like champion data between a sport who who you know has enough to do they're worried about what's happening on the course or on the pitch And then you you empower us to ensure that how your data is presented to the end consumer makes sense, is aligned to the objectives of the game, is fair, is um, contextualised and actually is compelling because at the end of the day you can put as many numbers up as you want but if they don't tell a story and if they're not interesting, fans are going to turn off.
0: Yeah, certainly. I mean, that's something with the... uh Sometimes the US uh, sporting experience, it'll just be a statistic for the sake of statistics, saying you know, someone's shooting at uh, fifty percent on a Wednesday night uh, with the humidity of whatever, (laughs) (laughs) and it's uh, and it's a three-quarter full moon, and you go, great, I learned absolutely nothing about anything in that, but thank you for just that that absolute.
1: There there are examples of where uh, information there's high watermarks of data usage i mean there's no doubt that aussie rules and major league baseball in the states um use data really well it's just become part of the vernacular of the sports you hear it every day in the way fans managers coaches in football as well Um, you know the beautiful game round ball football You just hear data used as part of the vernacular, but it's taken time. It does take time. It takes years and years. You know, I said we've been around for 25 years. For 25 years, we've been developing metrics. We've been refining metrics so that it makes sense, again, you know, that that it's stuff that is really valuable, not just for an athlete who's trying to figure out how they can get that 1% that makes a difference or a team to get that 1%, but also so fans can kind of go yeah, right, okay, that's a complex game that they're playing there. That is really tactically elite what they've just done there. That's that's sort of, I guess, the um, the magic of it all. But it's it's hard. It's hard stuff to get right. You've, you've got to invest and you've got to spend time in it.
0: And is that something that sports betting, because obviously that's the major conversation in the US is sports betting and the impact it's going to have on sports. Yeah. Is that something that, that actually educates fans on how data is used and um, I guess how it impacts because it's one of those things that um, in Australia it's just sports betting has obviously been um, legal for a long time um, and then some changes uh, with uh, rulings around locations in Darwin and all this other stuff, you know, changed (laughs) and and basically uh, made mobile sports betting ubiquitous. Um, So for someone like me, I've just grown up with mobile sports betting um, ever since the iPhone's been around, essentially mobile sports betting has being close to it so it's also meant that understanding this as you said this vernacular around data around statistics around odds around um, prop bets as they call it in-game betting all that kind of stuff has been very much a part of it and then you go to the US and there's a major push by sports betting providers sports books to just educate the audience on well, this is what we mean when we say a head-to-head win or a prop bet or things like that. Do you think that it's um, that's going to be part of, I guess, pushing data to the to the fore or, or, or realising value, um, not just in the sports wagering but in other areas?
1: Well, um, how can I answer that? I, I think possibly the motivations might be different. So if you talk about a, a wagering entity and what they're trying to do, it's about, you know, customer acquisition customer retention uh, velocity of betting obviously it's it's the turnover of the dollars is is critical so yes they they want people who understand what they're doing who um, have a confidence to be able to regularly place a bet um, within a particular environment sports uh, and, and certainly, you know, Australia's regulatory environment from a betting perspective is pretty advanced and we've been we've been doing things like in play for some time, um, albeit that you can only do it over the phone, obviously. But um, I think sports have a slightly different motivation in that, yes, th- there's a revenue play there, right? So they obviously want to be able to licence particular categories of rights of which wagering and betting is one. Um, and they want to take a clip of and I believe should take a clip of Uh, revenue that's generated as a result of that Um, but yes they need to protect the integrity of the data and the game Um, so that's again back to my point around why they should be investing and to a degree owning controlling caring about how their data is being used And, and and they are of course a wagering provider is all about speed so again champion data provides services like fast vision super, super low latency vision that is pumped direct into a trading floor so that they can manage their wagering um, business. Data, data streams, super, super fast data streams, again, for the same use. So, um, gosh, the, the (laughs) the use cases are many and varied, but some of the principles tend to be the same. Integrity of data, low latency speed, all these sorts of things, accuracy, um, sports arguably, arguably might care more about accuracy than wagering operators um, who generally, in our experience, are willing to carry a degree of risk because it is more a, a sort of volume and velocity game. Um, but yes, yes, you're right. I mean, the, there's no point in having services for fans of a game if they don't understand how the service works.
0: Yeah, yeah. And it's it's that maybe sports betting is one of those things that, That's where they're learning about all these kind of stats and, and I guess the narrative that's there and, and week to week or moment to moment in a game. And then that means when that's included in a broadcast, they're more engaged in it. Like it's, it's, uh, I think you mentioned earlier around it's an ecosystem and it's a value chain and there's all, there's all different, slightly different use cases. That's right. But they all feed into each other in terms of the value from there, like across, across each area. Um, and yeah it's
1: hard it's hard to kind of um separate them all out because and and that's part of i guess that the value that a company like us provides is because we can work across that whole ecosystem we understand what the particular needs of any particular client might be if we've got um a club who is concerned about uh injury management and needs to understand in real time their rotations um we need to make sure that they have a mechanism by which they are receiving that data, that that data is presented to them, so visualized in an appropriate way so that um, their analysts, their coaching staff can look at it and understand really quickly what decisions they should be making through to products like, we're, we're really proud of a product called Telstra Tracker, which as I mentioned, is that kind of um, model of synchronizing both athlete tracking and event data together and it's pushing out really compelling um, content in digital, particularly things like heat maps, uh, benchmarking, all all this sort of thing. some AR. um, That's a whole different use case, but it's the same data. Similarly, we're providing data feeds to the wagering sector. Again, same data, slightly different use case. And, And they'll all have their particular bespoke requirements that you have to be able to kind of address but ultimately, all of those things are only ever going to be as good as how you're managing that data, how good your platform is, how good your API is. So you've got to get the tech right as well, not just the actual data itself.
0: Yeah. And the, and the example of the Telstra tracker there is the Australian Football League. So within the official app and then you have Telstra as a um, kind of headline um, sponsor and then that's, that gives a sponsorship opportunity around that mm. as another category. So there's another thing where you essentially white label it in and then go well. That can be sponsored um, within that. So, like you said, it's you know, it's another. It's it's create creating a new asset almost that the that yeah the the, the, v- the value the with. value
1: proposition is is sort of twofold. It's a notable asset, so the league gets to go out there and sell something, um, or we do because we're obviously uh, a license. Um, the official st- statistician in that case so we're actually monetizing the data ourselves as well um, and we've had a lot of success monetizing data throughout that media sector and that's not something that you see um, a lot outside Australia it's what we're trying to work with sports particularly in the US around because they are doing some really great stuff in uh, wagering or in the more traditional kind of consumer space but they haven't really um, cracked that that media sector monetization piece yet so so we're really big on helping um, people do that um so yeah so you've got you've got to kind of do you've got to create an asset you've got to be able to monetize that asset and then you've got to be able to create compelling content off the back of it it's leveraging it's it's like the old traditional model of a sponsor comes in and they'll buy a category and then they want to leverage the category ditto with data it's the same same sort of principle
0: yeah and you Mm. can create new assets within that category there's so many you know new products and whatever else that is which is just um, more things that can be sold in that have, um, that have a value to them as well. It's not just creating it for the sake of it, it's actually something that fans really enjoy. So, yeah, um, that's right. Yeah. Following on from that, a uh, bit of focus recently around um, biometric data. So, integrating biometric data coming off the athlete um, into broadcasts. So, an example is our Whoop and the PGA Tour. Mm. So, obviously, the Whoop band measures a whole range of um, biometric data points. Um, the one that's been used a lot here is heart rate. So if someone's taking a putt, you can see their kind of heart rate spike or go down or or uh, sideways either way, whatevers happening there. Um, but giving fans another kind of point of um, of connection with these athletes, understanding what are they going through. Uh, another one is the uh, pro uh, squash league has done a model where they same thing they're not I don't think they're using whoop, but they're using other um data integration and the athletes actually earn money directly from that but kind of seeing um these athletes heart rate just absolutely gassed um do, towards do you know the my, end.
1: my favorite heart rate um use case was actually cricket because cricket put a heart rate monitor on a opening bat
0: oh wow <laughs> so
1: you're, you're standing there about to face a ball at 145 kilometers an hour or something they're running they're steaming in towards you imagine what your heart rate does that i thought that was an excellent use case for you know a, a data piece like that um, well, the, Squ- the squash one sounds fascinating as well so
0: all that their one it's just insane obviously insanely elevated like that that sport yep. but there was uh the example that i use when i give um, guest lectures to university students is um comparing they had a whoop um integration with nascar and they had one with the PGA Tour and you had the NASCAR drivers, um, heart rate going however many hundreds of miles an hour in a, in a car, um, hurtling towards potential death. I uh, had a lower heart rate than uh, Rory McIlroy when he was stepping up for a putt.
1: Yes. Well, they train for that, don't they? Are yeah. They? The, the, I mean, the, the training use case is also another one that probably bears talking about at some point because what, what a lot of athletes and sports are doing now, and you're seeing that with Whoop is, um. They're trying to replicate in a training environment the conditions that they would experience if they were in you know, the cut and thrust of the real contest or the, or the real race. And a lot of this technology is helping them do that. But Biometrics probably bears <laughs> its own podcast entirely. It raises um, some interesting challenges. There's no doubt there's opportunity there. Um, challenges relate to things like privacy. Um, the technology can and is still somewhat invasive. Um, I think if you speak to most athletes, they'd prefer to not have a device, a sensor, a wearable of any kind um, on them when they are you know, at peak performance, but that's the reality of a lot of the tech at the moment. Um, so that, that's kind of a, a challenge. Ownership. Who owns the data, um, which parts of the data can you use, should you use. It's It's a very complex and I think still growing sector of, of sports and athletes and data users and providers like ourselves trying to figure out how we do it in a way that protects the sports, protects the athletes um, but gives enough compelling stuff to to sort of satiate that in ever-increasing demand from sports fans for, you know, for more data. Um, we, we've had to work really hard, and I think it's the right approach. We've sort of had roundtables with stakeholders in that environment, everyone from the sport or the league to um, those representing athletes, whether that's you know, players associations or, or manage direct you know, athlete managers – to the broadcasters and the end users all sitting around a table talking about well how, how do we approach this how do we make sure that the concerns of the athlete are addressed the concerns of the sport are addressed um, what of that data can we use because naturally people will be concerned about things like well what if it's used against me in a contract negotiation um, can I use it to negotiate my, <laughs> my contract? So it's a really interesting space. Um, privacy is coming to the fore a little bit. Um, I should note that certainly in this market there aren't particular laws that grant ownership or IP in event data. But things like the GDPR in in Europe is essentially moving in that direction, placing the ownership fairly and squarely with the athlete, um, and so that that will generate interesting, uh, I guess, discussion and complexities going forward. But we've found that taking that that kind of collaborative approach has worked really well. That's what we've been able to do to generate some great content, new metrics, new insights that that. Fans haven't seen before, and they want to. They want to see it. You know, they they know that these athletes and these sports, they're the best they're ever gonna see. And sometimes they want to compare themselves to them. And that's what's really interesting as well. Is you know, Whoop, you can go out and buy a Whoop if you want. We all wear smart watches these days, smart rings. Athletes are doing the same thing. So then you get these really
0: it's exactly the same unit, same unit that Rory McIlroy's got. Correct. the same unit that you could just get at a retail you know for whoop
1: mostly yeah they are and so you can you can go out and you can be playing your um soccer game on the weekend and comparing yourself to you know pick pick any athlete and there'll be some degree of data that you can access to do that and and so that's a compelling use case as well as to to create those environments and imagine what that's going to look like in you know a metaverse environment where you can essentially be competing against your favourite athlete in some way, shape or form with your biometric data creating um, comparisons to theirs. So it's a really interesting space, but I think it's still got a little way to go. Yeah,
0: yeah. and it's certainly, um, it can be a bit of a minefield if, if it's gotten wrong. I think if it, if it, if it ha- isn't entered into with the right spirit around trying to get the best outcomes for everyone um, and focusing that it's, it's starting from that I guess, from the athlete in terms of, of where that comes from and they're the one generating the data and it has a very high degree of um, personal, you yeah. know, and it, privacy and all that kind of stuff. Um, and it, it's interesting. There's no one model, I guess, that's emerged as this is the way we're going to do it. I mean, the PGA Tour is um, for athletes that share their, their data. They get, uh, I think it's like $15,000 or something like that donated to a charity of their choice. So it's, it's all opt-in. Mm. Um the the squash tour that I mentioned, um anyone that opts in gets a percentage cut of what that is sold to a broadcaster for, all that kind of stuff. Yep. Um yep. and then you have, you know, in team sports it's a whole different beast where it's it's folded into um, the player associations, negotiations and things like yeah, that. Yeah, it's
1: mostly dealt with in collective bargaining agreements and uh, that's always been the case and, and has worked very well. I mean, the MLB just recently renegotiated a, a um, collective bargaining agreement that deal, deals directly with biometric data and there are some ways in which it can be used and they're quite specific and there are other ways where it can't be used. And for example, they're not going to monetise training Um, data that's collected that's biometric data so um, yeah I I, I think as I said before it's got to be collaborative it's got to be dealt with I think um, in a way that is sensitive to the various concerns of the stakeholders but there's no doubt in our experience, whether it's through Telstra Tracker, as I said, um, whether it's through compelling content that we're pushing into the broadcast and, and partnering with the broadcasters to make sure that their commentators understand how to talk to that data, because that's really important. Um, it, it is bringing new insights. It is compelling stuff. And it's here to stay, that's for sure. So it's not going away. Um, and the, the, the tech's getting better and better in terms of the ability to capture... A lot of this data you know we've got some really exciting stuff that's coming up for us in that space in terms of um you know optical tracking so we talk a lot about well there's manual coding people sitting in front of a keyboard with a software product coding in events um
0: and that's that's usually just for people that don't know that is um you can have someone sitting at the in the stadium with a headset that speaks into it and says, so-and-so passed the ball to so-and-so. Yep. That comes back to where we're sitting here in the, um, in the hive mind of the data center and then that's coded into a computer and then that's sent off to everyone. So there's, that's the, the, I guess, the if we're talking about the basic way of things being done um, and then to follow on optical tracking is training computers to do that
1: yeah correct that's using machine learning so artificial intelligence and machine learning which is essentially cameras who are taking vision and then they're feeding it into computers got models that have been developed and are still learning to kind of interpret what's in that vision and then ultimately spit out similar um, sometimes enhanced data sets to what you might create through a manual you know human human process um, and all that technology is developing and we're experimenting with a lot of that some of it it's happening there are sports who are using a degree of optical tracking because they can because they might be indoor and they have smaller courts that are always the same size fewer athletes on the field it gets harder and harder the more variation the more people you have on a particular quarter field um so um yeah we we've got a way to go there but but some of the work we're doing around that is really interesting and really exciting in terms of what it might create um for the sports and for the fans
0: so is that the where's the i guess where's the growth for uh for champion data going forwards without without kind of giving away anything your board might be annoyed at um <laughs> if you're giving away your full strategic roadmap but but what's next
1: well i mean we're we're growing and that growth is coming, as I said, very much in that space where um, sports leagues, media partners are all looking to create these centralised stores of very complex and multiple data sets. So, that's the sport data platform that I talk about that we are building for our clients in the States and here in Australia and off that hangs the very complex data analytics stuff um that is really important and and we're partnering a lot with uh, sports and media partners to do that in addition to then the content generation side and on that content generation side there's a lot of exciting stuff happening there we're actually experimenting with some um, more traditional gaming engines content generation engines to try and bring um i guess a different look and feel but also modernize the workflow for traditional broadcasters um, and that you might sort of say, what's that got to do with data? That's, that sounds slightly different. Well, no, it's all the same kind of path of capture through to presentation. But things need to happen faster. They need to look better. Um, you know, this hyper-reality kind of, um, a hyper-real looking content is what, what is being demanded for these days. So we're doing some interesting stuff um, there. And then, um, as I said, that kind of place around that AIML stuff in terms of automation so um, some really interesting proof of concepts and innovation that we're doing in the wagering space in fact to try and automate as much of the operational side of that as possible because like us they've got huge amounts of um, I guess operational processes that are very manual and Technology is getting smarter and smarter and we're better placed through things like natural language generation, for example, to try and automate a lot of that process. Um, So, there's a whole back-end world of making and using the tech to generate more data, better data, faster data, and then there's a whole front-end world which is about... Let's create some really compelling content. Let's do something new. Let's innovate in how we're using data to generate content for all of those who love to consume it. Um, so it's it, the opportunities are sort of endless, I guess, in that space.
0: Cool. Very cool. That's that's super interesting. I think the, um, especially the game engine space. That's something that gaming is going to be just so important, especially as we push to uh, this Web3, and you're seeing it with the um, big kind of big tech and, and a lot of media companies looking at purchasing game engines and gaming companies because they realize that that's, that's one of the fastest ways um, to upskill to the point that, as you said, it's that, it's that next generation of it. We've pushed through the uncanny valley and now you have these game <laughs> engines that it is, it is hyper-realistic, it is photorealistic, it's incredible, but mm-hmm. if you, you still need the data to punch into that, to actually push out um, the, the kind of end shiny thing, um, that that fans can engage with yeah
1: i, I can't stress it enough data driven content it is all data driven content that that is driving demand or, or where the demand is coming from in terms of the way consumers are enjoying their sports or engaging with their sports, whether it's on traditional t- traditional media digital ott, metaverse wagering you name it it's all it's all underpinned by the official data that these sports leagues clubs etc et are generating so being able to be part of that we we feel really privileged that we get to play in this space um, because uh, I, I think it is a privilege to work in sport and I talk about that with with our teams all the time um, but it's not easy stuff because it's also high stakes um, particularly in the content and broadcast side you don't get second chances if you stuff it up already on air so don't stuff it up um and and ditto for the the leagues the clubs athletes they're making decisions in real time based on some of what you're delivering to them so it has to be accurate um it has to be presented in in a way that makes sure that they're making good decisions otherwise (laughs) (laughs) you're in trouble when they don't win the match
0: (laughs) there you go so exactly i mean yeah no pressure but that's that's (laughs) what makes what's so compelling is the pressure and and thank you so much for your time and, and following on from that with our final question, uh, what is your favourite sporting moment of all time?
1: Oh, I've had this one a few times. Um, I'm a cricket fan and always have been. I have a very, very um, good memory of Steve Waugh's 100 at the SCG in Sydney when he, um, I think everyone had kind of written him off, thought, no, he's done, he's done and he was on the verge of retirement and it was a hard slog, and he put in, and it was 100, and I, it seems like a small moment potentially compared to some of the great moments in, in sport like your Kathy Freeman's 100-metre win, those sorts of things. But I just remember it for the grit. I loved the grit of it. Um, so that's probably one I often go to when I'm asked that question.
0: Fantastic. Well, I mean, the the answers to – we ask every guest that question, and the answers are so varied. No one's uh, – I don't think we've ever had the same answer twice, which says says a lot for – what people take from sports and the passion and the interest mm-hmm. and the uh, as you said everything around that i'm sure uh, if at the time it would have been better to have some champion data um mm-hmm. data-driven insights around the narrative you know he hasn't hit a hundred and this long and this is the first time <laughs> and the likelihood of it happening and at this age and all that kind of stuff so um, well i'll
1: well, tell you what one when i was asked once what's your proudest moment from a champion data perspective and at the that's time, that's a good question. Can I steal that one? Yeah. yeah. At the time, I said oh, I can't answer that. That's a really hard question. But actually, the answer is it's when it all comes together. So it's when, um, for example, our our, our our lacrosse work is about to kick off with the new Premier League lacrosse um, next week, and when when it starts, and we've got teams who are coding data who are supporting the software and ultimately pushing that data out to various uh, users, when all that works seamlessly, they're the moments you're proud of because you know how much blood, sweat and tears, how much collaboration, how much innovation sits behind it and you know you've succeeded because everyone's got what they needed in time, it looks good, the client's happy, that that's success. So they're the moments where I'm most proud when it all comes together.
0: Just like sports, just just like sports, making something incredibly complex and difficult look easy, and that's the, the you know the the beauty of a of a good yep. game or a good passage of play in it is that they just make everything look easy.
1: Yeah, it's a good analogy because sport is not an easy thing. It's it's a complex thing, and um, yeah, sometimes those athletes make it look way too easy. <laughs>
0: Well, that's that's part of it. We'll get some biometrics in there to make sure it looks like it. They they show that they're actually uh you know heart rates spiking through the roof, and it's uh it's not as easy as everyone thinks it is. So, thank you so much, Libby, for your time. Um, great to be here in person, be able to have a chat about um, champion data, and uh, looking forward to seeing uh, your work with as you said, live golf, Premier League lacrosse. Um, yep. so for some of our uh, US and international listeners, can kind of um see the, the blood, sweat, and tears that have gone into that. Absolutely, Um, yep. Live at uh, those sporting events.
1: Thanks again. Thank you, Thomas.